Dear listeners, before we start the show today, we have something exciting to share with you about something we haven't done before. We are actually working on a podcast about love and relationships and dating in India. And for it, we want to hear from you. If you are between the ages of 18 and 35 and have thoughts and opinions about love and relationships and ideas on what you'd like from a dating podcast, write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com and we'll get in touch with you. Once again, that's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at IndianExpress.com. Now, on with the show. Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we talk about the ongoing turf war inside IIM Calcutta and the latest development in the matter. We also talk about BJP sweeping the Gujarat local body polls. But first, we talk about the Hathras killing. On Monday, a 50-year-old man was shot dead in the Hathras district of Uttar Pradesh. And he was allegedly shot by someone who was accused of molesting his daughter. The incident has also caused a political uproar with the BJP and Samajwadi party lashing out at each other. In this segment, we talk to Amil Bhatnagar, who has been reporting on the story about the controversy and what exactly led to the incident. So on Monday evening, the police received information from locals in a Hathras village saying that a man has been shot dead in a particular farm. And uh, when the police reached, they found that this is a 50-year-old man. And uh, he was shot multiple times by, uh, at that point, unknown accused. And uh, while he was being taken to the hospital, he, he lost his life. Shortly after, the police came to know through the daughter that the accused, Gaurav, and few of his accomplices had in fact come and uh, shot him after an argument that happened between the woman and the accused's family. So the accused, basically, some of his relatives stay in the same village. He's not from the same village, the accused Gaurav. His relatives had come. They were at a temple and same time, the victim's daughters were also there. So they had an argument regarding an old case that had happened two years, almost two and a half, three years ago. This argument that Amil mentions here, we'll talk about it more in a bit. But for now, Amil explains what happened next. And following that argument, the argument escalated. There was uh, some hot talk between the two parties. And uh, the Gaurav allegedly told the woman that I will come back for you. I will come back for your father. And uh, then in the span of, uh, say, an hour or, or a little more than that, they come and they shoot the man dead. Like they shoot the woman's father dead. Now the argument which the accused Gaurav allegedly had with the victim's 25-year-old daughter relates to what happened between them some years ago. Amil says that back in July 2018, the woman had filed an FIR against Gaurav, saying that he had molested her while she was alone at home. So in the run-up to that incident as well, the family said that uh, he would harass them uh, many times. He would uh, pass comments, try and make uh, them uncomfortable with his actions, gestures. And uh, building up to that, uh, in July, that particular incident happened. He was jailed for a month and he was let out on bail in by August 2018. That FI was also filed in Hathras police station itself for uh, outraging modesty of a woman and intimidation. After he came back, after he came out on bail, uh, the man still 
threatened the family saying that uh, if you don't take this complaint back uh, there will be dire consequences he threatened the father the family so for a very long time even after he came out of jail the family kept facing threats by this very man so whenever he would visit the area because he was not from here he is from shravasti whenever he would visit it would be like the same sort of a threat process that uh, you know i will do this and i will do that so that is what happened in 2018 and the family claims the daughter specifically claims that this murder happened because they did not take that complaint back because of the incident that had happened so it was that anger at the part of the accused that led to the murder now this incident like mentioned earlier has also triggered a political firestorm in the state and amil says that this is because the victim's family the locals and the police allege that gorav that is the accused has links to the samajwadi party in fact if you go to gorav's social media profile you'll see a number of pictures of him with a samajwadi party leaders bearing the samajwadi flag in fact police also said that a large part of his activities and like his political activities were based in aligarh and uh, there were talks in the locals that he was supposed to lead not rather lead but um, be, be an instrumental part in organizing uh, an sp rally in the coming one or two days in aligarh itself in that sense it appears that he did have a tangible political connection to the samajwadi party amil says that after the incident took place a video of the daughter of the victim went viral in which she can be seen crying outside a police station and asking for justice गांव के लोग थे पहले उसने मेरे साथ चेरगानी की और आप जाते थे मेरे पापा ने केस कर दिया और उसने चिड़के मेरे पापा को गोली मारी मेरे पापा को गोली and uh, the woman also told the express that uh, you know he is a known samajwadi person so shortly after that samajwadi people uh, questions were asked and samajwadi party uh, reacted saying that he is not an office bearer he has nothing to do with the party even akhilesh yadav during a press conference lost his cool and reacted to a reporter when he asked the question and questioning the media's uh, fairness in this entire controversy sawal wo nahi hai tum aap phir big gaye tum big gaye bas itne mein big gaye tum जरा अपना चैनल का नाम बताइए जो बिक गए हो तुम बताओ बताओ अब क्यों छिप गए हो तुम जाकर के अगर हैसियत है तो बताइए किस चैनल की ओर प्राइम न्यूज के बिके हुए आदमी हो तुम मीन बीजेपी टू हैज बिन क्रिटिसाइजिंग द समाजवादी पार्टी सेइंग दैट इट इज नॉट बीइंग एबल टू रेन इन क्रिमिनल एलिमेंट्स इनफैक्ट येस्टे ड्यूरिंग द यूपी बजट स्पीच चीफ मिनिस्टर योगी आदित्यनाथ मैंशन द हाथरस इंसिडेंट एंड अटैक द समाजवादी पार्टी कल हाथरस में जो दुर्भाग्यपूर्ण घटना घटित हुई क्या समाजवादी पार्टी का उस अपराधी से कोई संबंध नहीं है क्या और क्या हर अपराधी के साथ समाजवादी शब्द क्यों जुड़ जाता है मैं यही पूछना चाहता हूं क्यों जुड़ जाता है सो व्हाट एसेंशियली हैपेंड सुन आफ्टर द इंसिडेंट वाज द एसपी and the bjp got into this political blame game saying that while one was saying that you know the, the law and order it is deteriorating in the state and there is the women are not safe in the state while on the other hand the bjp was saying that it's this party that supports and uh, you know hounds criminal elements since the accused links were out in the open but even as the political parties lash out at each other amil says that the family is still coming to terms with what has happened 
the woman was distraught because it's a family of only like two daughters her elder daughter is married and he was the sole bread earner for the family and uh, he was working in his potato farm at the time of the murder Uh, taking place so for them right now immediately there is no source of income because they don't have any parallel source of income as of now so for them the family like for them there are a lot of problems immediately that have come after that and besides that just the trauma of the daughters being watching their father die in front of their own eyes and also because the fact that this thing had been building up for a very long time family claims that even when the case was when the FIR's case was being uh, heard in the courts the trial was yet to begin so even during that process when hearings would happen or when any sort of legal process would take place the accused would threaten them saying that you should take the complaint back and uh, so for, for the woman it was also a fight to get that molestation case across and bear with the legal proceedings of it so for the woman and the family there is still a lot of fear because the accused has not been caught yet the accused has a reward of 1 lakh at this very moment so because he kept on flaunting his political connections and kept on projecting himself as a heavyweight in the village saying that nobody can do me any harm so they still feel that perhaps what if there's a possibility that there is still some retribution left on this from the accused because there were six people involved in this so for them the lives to come on track is going to take a lot of time and uh, they will for for a reasonable period of time still remain in fear now the investigation in the case is still ongoing and the state police are yet to catch all the people involved so an fio was filed against four named people uh, and two unnamed people because there were six people who had come in a white car and had opened fire at that man uh, one of the accused has been caught police is it's going to take digital surveillance it's going to take a lot of manpower the teams have been formed so for now presently they are trying to trace the accused's whereabouts they are trying to trace his location uh, through people his known associates so for now it's upon the hatras police to how fast the accused is caught because uh, at this point he could be uh, in the state or he could have gone to another state as well because it's been more than 48 hours since the incident but the police is confident that the arrest will be made soon and next we talk about iim calcutta at the indian institute of management in calcutta there is a turf war that has been going on between the director of the institute and the board for the past few months this kind of turf war has actually never happened in the history of iims in fact late last month amid this tussle the board of governors at the iim took an unprecedented decision it actually stripped the institute's director anju seth of her powers to make appointments and initiate disciplinary action this move has several implications on how the institute gets to function in the future in this segment my colleague snigda sharma spoke to indian express's ritika chopra about the background of this ongoing tussle the allegations against the director anju seth and her response to them Ritika began by telling Snigda about Anju Seth. Anju Seth actually is the second female director of an IIM ever and the first woman head of IIM Calcutta. She was appointed in November 2018. She's an ex-student, she's an alumnus of the institution. If I'm not wrong, she graduated from the institution in 1978 and uh, she has a doctorate from the University of Michigan. Before she joined the Indian Institute of Management Calcutta in 2018 she was working at Virginia Tech and she was the Pamplin Professor of Management there earlier at the same institution she had headed the department of management at Virginia Tech 
So, Ritika, if you can give us a brief background of how this turf war began in the first place. So, just a quick background to why there was a confrontation between the faculty and Anjuseth is that the faculty, and this is what a few other IIM directors have also told us, that unlike, say, the culture at IIM Ahmedabad or IIM Bangalore, the teachers at IIM Calcutta, as I mentioned earlier, have had a bigger say in how the institution is run. They are part of many committees which make decisions. For instance, they are part of committees which approve research proposals, that approve uh, proposals to attend conferences, international conferences. They are part of uh, recruitment panels. So, and then the director heads most of these panels. At least she is the she's the final authority to approve the recommendations of these panels. And they felt that, you know, every time they made a recommendation, any of these committees, the director would eventually shoot it down because it allegedly did not agree with her. I mean, what, what she thinks and that everything had practically come to a standstill. So one of the complaints was that, you know, there's been no recruitment, no fresh recruitment over the last two years in the institution because of this confrontation between the faculty and teachers. They also alleged that, you know, the institution is uh, making a new set of regulations under the new IIM Act and that the teachers were not involved in that process. Like the teachers were never consulted for their opinion, for their feedback. And even when they were, Anju said did not want a collaborative exercise where they all sit together, deliberate discuss. She insisted that each of the faculty members send their feedback individually and that she would decide what was eventually related to the board. So these are just some of the examples, but the overall complaint, the broad complaint being that we've had a say in how this institution's run and, you know, they've described it as a very democratic way of running the institution, rather very participatory way of running the institution and that ever since Sate joined, things had changed. Right. So what did Ms. Seth have to say about these allegations against her? Of course, Anju Seth has a different point of view. She feels that, you know, she's facing this resistance from a small section of the faculty, even though over 60 teachers had written this letter. But she said that, you know, this is being instigated by a small section within the faculty, which is upset with all the disruptions that she's trying to cause. Disruptions in the sense that she's being disruptive in the sense that there are issues. There are uh, traditionally, there are issues with how this institution was being run and she's trying to change that. And in that process, it seems disruptive. And of course, there's a section, motivated section within the faculty that has a problem with it. Okay, so did the Ministry of Education respond to the faculty's complaints? So the Ministry of Education's had, till about now, has had a very hands-off approach. When we spoke with senior officers in the ministry in January, they said that, look, we have given the IIM's autonomy under the new act. It doesn't behove the ministry to actually now try and interfere in the internal affairs of an institute. So the ministry had advised the chairperson and the director to try and sort issues out with the faculty. But we're not sure what eventually happened. But in the meantime, you know, like I mentioned, this snowballed into a confrontation between the director and the board. But even now, even after the resolution has been passed against the director and even after she's been stripped of two of her key powers, the ministry hasn't intervened yet. So earlier this month, Seth had written to the Ministry of Education accusing the board's chairman, Mr. Kulkarni, of infringing on her executive powers. She had cited her alleged sidelining in the drafting of the new regulations under the IIM Act as an example of that. 
Listen to Ritika as she gives us the details. We don't know all the allegations leveled in this letter, but again like I mentioned earlier, she talks about diminishing of her role as the executive of the institute and one example that we've learned that she'd cited in that as in in order to demonstrate how her role has been diminished she said that you know again uh, this is very similar to what the faculty had written in its complaint against her was that she's saying that i have been sidelined in the drafting of the regulations just for the benefit of the listeners when i keep referring to regulations i just want to clarify that regulations are a set of rules that each iim is supposed to draft under the new iim act and these rules will essentially govern how your institute is run these have sort of the finer points of how the institution should be run and i am calcutta is in the process of drafting those regulations so she said that the board hasn't consulted me that i have been sidelined in this entire process and this is one example that she cited to like i said demonstrate how she feels that the board is actually encroaching on her role her executive role in the institution The next thing that happened after Seth approached the Ministry of Education was that the Board of Governors at IIM Calcutta passed a resolution against Seth for writing directly to the government. Here Ritika tells us more. The resolution essentially it's a two-page document which essentially states that Seth approaching the ministry was quote unquote grossly improper and that by writing to the ministry she has tried to cause undue confusion between the ministry and the board and that she has misrepresented facts in her letter to the government and then as i mentioned earlier you know it goes on to list her alleged deficiencies as the institute head it states that as the director she has been unable to prioritize work or meet timelines of action or foster quote unquote an inclusive and professional environment with the faculty it has also taken exception to one of her recent interviews to a national daily to the economic times in which she has spoken about her standoff with the institute faculty so these are essentially the things that it talks about the fact that she shouldn't have approached the government that she's tried to create bad blood between the board and the government by misrepresenting facts that you know as the director she has not been able to prioritize work timelines she has been able to collaborate with faculty and that she shouldn't have gone to the media to discuss internal matters of the institute and finally she tells us about the board's latest decision to strip miss seth of her powers as the director of the institute the last resolution as in the resolution of february 20th aside from criticizing seth and her conduct also states that the board will now look into a quote unquote examine her conduct and for this purpose it had tasked the chief administrative officer of the institute who's also the secretary of the board to actually collect documents evidence or present a report of sorts on this matter to the board when the meeting was held on saturday we're not sure if the ceo had presented a report before the board on her conduct but there was a discussion at the end of the meeting in which the director was asked to recuse herself and during that discussion the board eventually decided to divest her of the power to appoint uh, staff uh, in the institution and uh, to take action disciplinary action against members of the institution we don't know we're not aware of the details of why this is done but when we spoke to our sources we were told that you know the board has expressed problems with her conduct and which is why this step was taken 
Ritika then went on to explain to us why this unprecedented decision by the Board of Governors at IIM Calcutta is garnering so much attention. So when we discuss the Shoda, I mean, obviously, the obvious thing is that this has never happened before in the history of IIMs. You know, this serious a showdown hasn't taken place between the director and the board in the past. So which is why this is unique, which is why it's controversial and is being discussed. But I mean, there are still many unanswered questions to so under which provisions of the act did the board decide to actually divest her of two key powers? Because currently the act talks about under which circumstances should a director be removed and how he or she should be removed, that it can only be done following an inquiry after he or she is given an adequate chance to defend herself. And it is silent on whether or not the board can, as an interim measure, whether it can strip her of any powers. So, and frankly, the Institute hasn't even drafted its regulations. So that's essentially a gray area. And one doesn't know that one. And we're also not sure that even when the board decided to divest her of these powers, whether she was given an opportunity to present her defense. We did send out questions via email to the board chairperson, that's Mr. Kulkarni, and to the director, Ms. Sait. And we haven't received a response on these two issues, specifically on the provisions under which the board took such an unprecedented decision and whether this was taken after giving state an adequate hearing. And in the end, we talk about Gujarat. The BJP has this year swept the local body polls in Gujarat. The party not only won big in the six municipal corporations in the state, but also in the district panchayats, taluka panchayats and municipalities in the state, the results for which were announced on Tuesday. The Congress party, on the other hand, that had made significant gains in 2015, lost badly this time. In this segment, we talked to Paramal Dhabi, who reports on Gujarat for the Indian Express, about the highlights of the results and what this win means for the BJP. Ever since these elections were declared, I mean, BJP was quite confident about the results, but nobody had expected that they would perform such brilliantly in these elections. Corporations have always been stronghold of BJP since beginning. Okay, but it was its performance in panchayat polls that has surprised a lot of people. Because in 2015, when the last panchayat polls were held, I mean, last local body polls were held, Congress had almost swept the elections. I mean, in district panchayats, out of 31 that went to polls, Congress had won. 23 and in taluka panchayats it had won out of 230 around 146 but this time bjp has completely won all the district panchayats 31 out of 31 and out of 231 taluka panchayats they have won more than 200 and even in nagar palikas i mean municipalities out of 81 bjp has won 73 so this is something very surprising and it's a brilliant victory for bjp And it means a lot to the party ahead of the 2022 assembly elections when its new party president, Mr. C.R. Patil, he has set a target of winning all the 182 assembly seats. So this victory will be great boost for the party for the 2022 assembly elections. Talking about the reasons why the Congress performed poorly, Paramal says that right from when the elections were first notified, Congress never looked like a party which was fighting to actually win the elections. 
In fact, their working president, Hardik Patel, had also in an interview with Indian Express had expressed his displeasure over the campaigning of the party, the manner in which the party was campaigning. Even before the voting happened, they had lost more than 200 seats to BJP uncontested. And on the other hand, BJP was looking very formidable force. I mean, the new concept that they are implementing right now of having page committees has worked a lot. So overall, the campaigning of the BJP was also far better than that of the Congress. After the results were announced, Prime Minister Narendra Modi tweeted that the results give a crystal clear message that Gujarat is firmly with the BJP's agenda of development and good governance. Paramal tells us how the BJP and the Congress have reacted to the results within the state. BJP is again, as they were saying that this election, this result they were expecting. And uh, on the other hand, Congress, it, it as I told you, it scattered their uh, current president, Mr. Amit Chawda, and their leader of opposition in the assembly, Paresh Dhanani. They have resigned from their post and their resignations have been accepted. So now it's uh, an uphill task for Congress to look for new leadership and get itself together ahead of the 2022 assembly elections to give a real fight to this Bharti Janta Party. Apart from this, he says, these elections also saw an emergence of a third front. Both Asasuddin OAC's AIMIM and the Ahmadmi Party contested in the local body polls for the first time. And while AIMIM won seven seats in the Godra municipality and one in the Baruch municipality, the Ahmadmi Party made inroads in Saurashtra and some other parts of the state. I mean, Ahmadmi Party has done very good in Surat Municipal Corporation, which is otherwise BJP's stronghold, its bastion. There, the Ahmadmi Party has won 27 seats. In fact, Mr. C.R. Patelu is BJP president. He hails from Surat and he has also expressed regrets that how come Ahmadmi Party could enter into his bastion. So that is one thing that is coming out in these elections, emergence of a third force in the absence of Congress putting up any real effective fight against BJP. You were listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav and Snigdha Sharma and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. If you like the show, then do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Podcasts and write to us at podcast at indianexpress.com. 